Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. David Gill here, your host. How is everybody doing? I hope you guys are all having a great day, great week. This podcast is going up a little late today because... uh, I've just been smashed full. My schedule's just been busy with client work over the past couple of days. And as much as I love making this show as a company, you know, we always have to put our clients first. So I've been uh, dealing with that. Anyways, I've, I don't know, probably worked like 50 hours over the past three days. But I won't skip an episode. This show is growing. Both episodes last week did really well. People really liked them, got some good interaction. And uh, I'm not skipping an episode. Uh, this show is doing well. That's why I'm recording this at 10 o'clock at night. It's actually 10.15 in the evening on a Tuesday night. This is supposed to go up on Tuesday. I'll probably still make it. I might just upload it, set it for Wednesday morning. I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, it's going to be a little late. Sorry about that. I was working. You know, guys got to make a living. Anyways, today's episode is going to be a good one. We've got some Netflix and Uber to talk about. So let's get into it. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. So Netflix reported slow user growth, and uh, they're showing some signs of maxing out their price elasticity as more competitors enter the space. Um, This was as a result or coming off of their earnings report yesterday for Q2, and their stock price dropped about 14% as a result. So that... That kind of hurts. Um, you know, Netflix over the past five years, this is this is what's been going on with them. They've been growing their revenue by an average of about 35% a year, but their spending has increased by about 40% every single year. And, you know, shareholders are okay with this as long as that spending continued to bring growth and led Netflix down a path of being the world's largest media company or becoming the world's largest media company. But if you multiply out that spending versus uh, revenue, that means that from five years ago to today, their spending to revenue ratio has increased by 25%, meaning they're becoming less and less profitable as each year goes by. And that ratio is only going up as Netflix has made clear they plan to continue and spend more on content. It's very possible that within a few years, they could be spending 50% more than they were back five years ago on the same or or more than their revenue, if that makes sense, or growing more. And I've said in the past that, yes, Netflix should be spending aggressively on exclusive content because that's what's going to differentiate themselves between themselves from the competition. But I think that they're spending money on the wrong type of content, and that's what's hurting them. And I'll give my proposal as to what Netflix should be spending on in a second and my whole proposal of what Netflix's overall strategy should be for content. But the other thing that's hurting Netflix and is showing signs of weakness is basically there's signs of maxing out their price elasticity, as I said, meaning they are going to find it difficult to raise the monthly subscription fee more than where it is now. Right now, people pay, most people pay either $11 or $14 a month, uh, depending on how many users you want. I think 11 is two users, 14 is six or five, I think. And then the $14 also comes with 4K streaming. So most people pay between 11, either 11 or 14 a month. And 
those prices have increased over the last few years also. You know, Netflix could probably get away with bumping those to maybe $12 a month and 15 a month, respectively. But any higher than that, and customers will start to question whether it's worth it. And especially when you have HBO at $15 a month and the CEO of AT&T who just bought out HBO or Time Warner in general, which owns HBO, saying that they're going to increase spending on content at the same $15 a month price, but just make it so that there's much more content on there. Disney's coming with their own service, as I talked about uh, before. YouTube has its trove of free content, first of all, but then also they have their $40 a month unlimited TV cable content, which is a very good deal. You know, if, if Netflix is pricing because comes maxed out, that means their only method of growth is going to be via acquiring new users, which is getting more expensive and is slowing down. You know, they now have over 117 million users as of yesterday. And questions are now being raised as far as what is their total addressable market, right? In the U.S., they're pretty much maxed out or they're getting close. They have 55 million subscribers in the U.S., uh, paid subscribers, but with an average of about two or three people per account. That means that you have, what, 150 million people in the U.S. on Netflix already, and the total uh, youth population of like under 10, I believe, is like 50 million. So if we take those out, because those aren't going to be paying customers anyways, basically you have about 200 50 million to maybe 270 million potential customers in the U.S., and they have 150 million people already on Netflix. So their addressable market in, in the U.S. is going down a lot. Same thing with Canada um, and then also Europe as well. I mean, most of their growth is coming from international at this point, but the question is being raised, you know, if you're not a Netflix subscriber already, are you going to be? That type of thing, especially in these saturated markets like the US and Europe. So really, most of their growth is going to have to come from outside of those areas. But then again, at $15 a month outside of US and Europe might be too expensive. So that's where all of these questions are coming from the price elasticity and the potential for market growth, how much bigger can their market get? And all of these questions and doubts basically led to shareholders reacting and the stock price dropping 14% almost instantly on this news. So my proposal for Netflix to get back on the horse of growth and uh, continue to increase not just subscriber counts, but overall revenues and revenue per subscriber without having to raise the price of $15 a month necessarily is this. First, as far as content, I think that they should not just invest in general content as they are, but to actively pursue the creation of new franchises, not just kind of one-off type of movies. One-off type of movies are good, but most of the time, you know, they're not that valuable. They want to be spending more money on potential franchises. The most successful thing they've had as far as a franchise go is probably Stranger Things. Uh, that's the type of thing where you have these really uh, attach attachable is that a word a character you can get attached to and it's obviously it's extremely popular it's one of the most popular shows but they can turn that into multiple seasons and multiple movies probably in the future i would assume they're going to make movies and they can turn it into a real franchise right they the franchise approach is so valuable that's why you have disney with marvel and star wars and all of their franchises you know marvel is obviously the pillar it's kind of the the golden child of franchises because you have multiple superheroes movies that bring in billions and billions of dollars for Disney every year and it's super valuable IP that's why you see uh, 
DC trying to do the same thing with Batman and Superman and all of that and the Justice League, not to as much success, but they're trying. And also other companies trying to get in on it. They were trying to resurge the mummy that didn't really work out. The movie kind of failed, but you can see all of these companies trying to create their own franchises because once you have that one hit, then just like you see with Marvel, you can have 10 Avengers movies and 10 Iron Man movies and 10 Thor movies and on and on and on forever and keep making more and more money without having to necessarily spend as much on new IP. And so if I'm Netflix, I'm actively pursuing not just TV shows and one-off movie content, but potential content obviously these are all you know it's very much a hit and miss hit or miss thing you don't know if something's going to be a big hit or not but you can create and fund certain types of content that would lend itself into being more uh fantasy and science fiction it doesn't have to necessarily be all those things but things that are easily franchisable and easily expandable, right? The Marvel expanded universe is why you can have not just the Avengers, but you have Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther and Ant-Man and all these movies that do billions of dollars, but aren't even necessarily uh, so related or popular. Uh, but because they're in the same universe as Avengers, they gain popularity from that, right? Guardians of the Galaxy, no one had ever heard of this before the Avengers, but then because it was the same, you know, Marvel universe and had the Marvel brand behind it, same thing with Ant-Man. I mean, it, the guy's name is Ant-Man, for goodness sake. It, they've become much more popular, and those movies do hundreds of millions or billions in the box office and sell tons of toys and all of that, and which I'll talk about in a second. So again, it's not obviously easier said than done. It's not easy to predict what's going to be the next hit, but you can invest in the type of content that more easily lends itself to being a potential future franchise for decades to come. And the other type of content that lends itself to being valuable for decades to come is animation and cartoon characters. I would very much pursue this more than they are right now cartoons and animation and things like that last generations actors and directors and all of them they get old and die that's just the story but cartoons i mean mickey mouse has been around for what 80 years it'll still probably be around in another 50 years i mean who knows they're still doing mickey mouse shows and donald duck and tom and jerry you know my parents watched tom and jerry when they they were kids and i watched tom and jerry when i was a kid you know these things span generations and if you can make a hit on animation just look at pixar and how well they do some of the biggest movies in the world this year were animated Pixar movies because they also apply or I should say appease to all audiences not just niche ones right uh, animation you get the kids you get the teenagers you get the parents coming with the kids I mean everyone loves look at the Incredibles this year look at Finding Dory all of these things do so well obviously these are all Disney properties because Disney knows what they're doing they're very good at this but you know tom and jerry scooby-doo those are non-disney cartoons that are examples of franchises that still make tons of money to this day because of their fantastic characters and generation spanning characters so if i'm netflix i'm putting more money into creating an animation studio a cartoon studio to create new novel characters all right part two of my three-part proposal now 
is movie theaters. Netflix should go to the theaters. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I have a few reasons why. One, if you want to qualify for Academy Awards, Oscar nominations, your movies need to be in theaters. This is why Netflix has not won any Best Picture or anything like that, because they're not in theaters. They've only been nominated for a few because they had limited showings in some of their movies, uh, which means Netflix does care a little bit because they showed their movies in limited uh, theaters just so that they could get nominated. And I wouldn't say this is a huge deal for Netflix, but, you know, when movies are nominated and or win Oscars, they do get a bump in revenue almost always, so that's always a plus. But also, it could bring in more serious directors and movie creators, people like the Spielbergs and Christopher Nolans who haven't done anything with Netflix because they want their content released or their movies released theatrically. Now, how much that matters in the future is hard to tell. But it is certainly an aspect to think about. But that's not the major reason. The major reason is, well, for one, movie theaters are actually making a slight comeback after years of decline. In 2018, the revenue year-over-year uh, -year growth is actually expected to grow for the first time in years. And, you know, this is partly because of services like MoviePass, which is another company that needs to start making profits ASAP. But that's a whole other discussion. Um, but also because movie theater chains have been forced into innovating and they've vastly improved their movie going experience and in doing so they've been able to actually bring people back right they started doing dine-in theaters more uh i know amc has remodeled a lot of their theaters i know my local amc theater got remodeled with like lounge cushion chairs instead of just the regular sitting like hard chairs or whatever uh they're making the experience better because they have to and in doing research for this episode today uh, I actually found out that Netflix has been interested in acquiring a theater chain. Um, um, there's not, it, again, it's a rumor. One name that popped up was Landmark Theaters. I think owning, uh, buying Landmark could be a good option. Landmark seems to be for sale. Netflix could be a good buyer. I'm not necessarily saying this is going to happen or anything. It's more of just a rumor that I read. But I think that owning their own theater could be the best option for them rather than partnering with other theaters. They could make their movies exclusively available at Landmark Theaters, for example, if they bought Landmark or just made their own Netflix theaters, um, which allows them, right, by owning their own theater chain, it allows them to retain control, the same control and exclusive exclusivity of their own online platform, but on the theatrical stage. Now, I'm not sure if this is going to be an antitrust issue because I know companies like Disney have run into issues before when they try to own their own theaters and then the government kind of said, uh, no, you can't own the content and the theater. But I think Netflix would be able to get away with it. Obviously, I can't predict regulation. But anyways, by creating more franchisable content, as I said, and then distributing it exclusively in their own Netflix theaters, they could create highly valuable IP, which in turn would allow them to continue revenue growth in two ways. One, obviously continued subscription growth from people who say, oh, Netflix has all this cool franchises that I want to see. Let me go subscribe. But then also they could merchandise and create experiences around their IP. This is a huge one that Netflix is not doing nearly enough of. This is basically the Disney model, right? Disney makes billions of dollars in the box office with their movies, but they also make tons of money by selling toys, selling clothing, obviously through 
creating the uh, Disney franchise rides at their theme parks, right? You, Disneyland has Cars Land for, and Star Wars and, you know, everything, right? They make these theme parks. And I'm not saying that Netflix should build a theme park, but Disney makes so much money around their IP that's not just actually from directly the box office or directly selling it, their own streaming services. They make money from all of these merchandising and experiences and events, right? For example, Star Wars, right? They bought stars for a couple billion dollars. They've already made their money back in spades just through box office revenue. But on top of that, all the Star Wars toys you see in stores, all the Star Wars clothing, for example, as, as far as experiences and events, there's an annual Star Wars celebration every May 4th. May the 4th be with you, right? Get it? Uh, that's it's, it's real. Star Wars celebration. And every year, people pay hundreds of dollars for tickets. Thousands and thousands of people pay hundreds of dollars for tickets for Star Wars celebration. And normally at Star Wars celebration, they show like... Um, new previews for movies and new exclusive stuff and they'll have like some the actors from the movies walk on stage and do q a's and all that it's like a little star wars convention every single year and people pay hundreds of dollars for tickets for that stuff and there's even a star wars mobile museum that's on tour right now that people that's going from city to city i think it's in europe right now but it's oh, it was in the u.s before and it just is like a mobile pop-up museum that they're going from city to city and people can pay to go look at like Star Wars memorabilia from the original sets and all that stuff. I mean, this is, you know, if you're not a fan, it might sound lame. If you are a fan, it might sound awesome. doesn't matter. Disney has dozens of streams of revenue just from this one franchise and then you multiply that out across all of their Pixar and Marvel and all the other properties they own. Disney is able to generate so much revenue out of all of the IP that they own and Netflix should be doing the same. If Netflix wants to continue to grow, they need to look at their, one of their biggest competitors and take notes. Disney knows what it's doing, and Netflix, if they're smart, can do the same. I think that is the real path because revenue growth is going to only come from two ways, getting more subscribers or increasing the price of their streaming service. Well, it looks like the subscribers are only going to slow as far as growth goes. I mean, they'll still continue to get more subscribers, but the rate at which they acquire more subscribers is going to keep going lower, most likely. And then the price elasticity again is a big deal they can't just keep raising the price they can't just make netflix twenty dollars a month because then people will say mm, i'm not going to pay that but if they can create external revenue streams around franchisable ip just like disney does that's how you become a massive company like disney all right so that's my proposal for netflix now let's talk about another uh profit lacking company netflix makes profit but obviously they're spending it on growth but another profit lacking company is uber and uber is going through the same thing as far as it relating to having to burn huge amounts of money in an effort to you know win in quotation marks their market but their business is completely reliant on price and their ability to scale is being limited as they struggle to enter international markets uh, you know, this is all leading to Uber not being able to raise more money at a higher valuation or it being very difficult for them to do so, right? They're having to acquire a lot of debt rather than just getting traditional financing. For me, Uber has a much more difficult path ahead of them than Netflix, like way more. It's really a race to 
develop technology faster while continuing to grow their network. But the only way to do those two things is by spending more money. But I don't know how long that they can keep raising money and keep acquiring debt. Eventually, they will have to make a profit. But that day where they make profit still looks like it's years away. You know, they largely failed in China, which was a huge blow. They have investments in uh, Didi and other ride-sharing companies in China and elsewhere in Asia, and they will benefit from those companies' successes, but not nearly as much as if they were the ones owning the market themselves, obviously. And as I discussed on my Friday Roundup show last week, which you should subscribe to this podcast because I give a Friday Roundup that's very good every week if you haven't listened already. Anyways, they're now investing heavily into other sharing economy modes of transportation like e-bikes and e-scooters because they want to be the go-to transportation app on everyone's phone. And as I said I agree, on last Friday, I agree with this strategy and it adds to their network effect if they have not just cars but scooters and bikes and all modes of transportation. I agree, becoming the hub. But those businesses are still highly competitive and reliant on price to win customers just like their primary ride-sharing business is. If your scooter costs $15 to uh, rent for an hour versus the other one costing 10 people are going to go to the other one. So it's still very much reliant on price. They also have Uber Eats, which same thing, very much dependent on price to compete with DoorDash and Postmates and Grubhub and others. You know, Uber is finding itself competing in a million races at once and really all of them are very small margin races but perhaps the most important race of them all is the self-driving car race or technology develop the the technology developing the technology to create self-driving cars that race and they're falling behind there too you know i talked last week about google being a very serious threat because of waymo which they own and how they can take advantage of using google maps and google voice assistant to instantly steal customers away from uber and lyft not to mention lyft themselves have a major partnership with gm to develop self-driving cars of their own so they have kind of the backing of gm and then also gm is developing their own stuff so that they can sell it themselves Uber does not have a partnership like that with a major company, or they have limited partnerships, I should say, with Ford, but it's it's not to the same level as Lyft and GM. And not to mention, if you're Uber, it doesn't help that one of your test drivers was watching The Voice while they plowed over a homeless woman crossing the street, which caused you to shut down your operations for months. Yes, that did happen. Uh, needless to say, it was not a good PR uh, stunt for Uber. But this is all to say that Uber has found itself in dire circumstances. And listen, this is coming from someone who always defaults to the optimistic side of things. I'm always very optimistic about startups and new technologies. But man, the only thing Uber can do really is to raise more money and take on more debt to continue to fund all of these ventures that they're going after. But at some point, that money's going to run out. It's only a question of when. And just imagine, I mean, we're on a nine-year economic run, and there's a good chance, and this isn't like any prediction or anything, it's just kind of market sentiment that, you know, we could be heading into maybe not a recession, but at least some type of correction or downturn in public markets. And if that does happen and money dries up, then Uber's really in trouble. And listen, I hope Uber succeeds. I really do. But they have a very tough road ahead of them, one that I do not 
envy. I don't know. I don't see a perfectly clear path for them besides just continuing to try to raise money and acquire debt and race to develop their self-driving car technology and race to try to build the biggest network and outcompete everyone. It's kind of like a last man standing type of thing. But man, it's going to be difficult. I mean, what do you guys think? If you're the CEO of Uber, what path do you take to find profitability while still maintaining growth? I'd be interested to see what you guys have to say because it's just, it's a really, really tough situation for Uber. Uh, you can let me know on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, whatever platform. They're on the description. Just message me there if you want to interact. But yeah, it's just tough times for Uber. Netflix, I'm much more optimistic on. I think that maybe their valuation is a bit high, but uh, they certainly have a future. And especially, I think some of the things I proposed could definitely work out for them. Anyways, let's get into the news. It's time for the news. So as you probably heard or maybe experienced yourself, Amazon had some issues yesterday on Prime Day. They were down in different places across the U.S. for a few hours, and I've seen estimates that uh, say the outages cost them somewhere between 100 and $150 million in revenue probably. Uh, but this, this, despite those outages, this year's Prime Day is still projected to be the biggest yet, and you know it's continuing their growth growth trend for Prime Day year over year. So they're they're doing fine. I'm not I'm not worried about Amazon. Uh, but you know I just wanted to say you know you've made it as a company when you can just kind of decide to create your own holiday, and then millions of people are looking forward to it and talking about it, and media publications and hey even myself are talking about it. Talk about uh, business goals. Anyways, uh, there's also a major rumor floating around that Walmart is planning on launching its own streaming service to compete with Amazon Prime and Netflix, except it's only going to cost about 7 or $8 a month. That's what the rumors say. And this will intentionally be a money-losing endeavor on behalf of Walmart just trying to create a Amazon Prime ecosystem to bring in more customers to walmart.com again this isn't confirmed and this is happening but there's multiple sources that are kind of leaking that walmart is potentially doing this you know walmart's really been bringing the fight to amazon on all fronts especially e-commerce they've stepped up their game a lot walmart.com has improved a lot uh, they have very much the same free shipping all of that um, as amazon does and similar prices as well and this is going to be just yet another battlefield for these two companies but it's interesting to see uh how this will affect the overall streaming space as disney is beginning to enter as i talked about netflix before hulu's upping their game hbo's upping their game and if walmart decides to come in and just completely disregard profit motives already and use this solely as a marketing tool and say we don't care about making money from streaming we just want to bring more customers into the walmart ecosystem the walmart prime system so to speak uh it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the overall market. Again, it's not confirmed yet, but it, it very much does look like something like this will happen. So we'll have to see what happens. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy, please share this podcast with just one person that you think would also like it. Just one, email it to them, text it to them, whatever. Share it on Facebook. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.